Hi, I'm Sarah Hagiti. And I'm Erin Babornik. Welcome to Coeb's Adult Ed Advocast. The Advocast is a partner podcast of Coeb's State Advocate for Adult Education Fellowship. Each episode highlights challenges and successes in advocacy. We also highlight a new student story. We're glad you're here. Now let's get started. How are you? I am so good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. It was very nice seeing you in person in Atlanta. It was. We had we had an escalator moment where like in a movie, I was at the bottom of the escalator and you were at the top, and it was the first time we'd seen each other in person. <laughs> we needed we needed background music. And someone I know said she witnessed it, and she said it was a pretty interesting <laughs> scene to it witness. Was interesting. Oh my god, it was so good to be able to see you in person. And I confirm that you have legs. Yes, and I, yes, I can confirm that you are you have a whole body as well. Oh, good. <laughs> you are just not a, a face on a screen. And I also want to say, because I don't think, I think you're too humble to say this, but you won an award at the national conference. Did you not? I did. I'm very honored. Um, Yeah, it was very exciting when I heard the news and I was very excited to be there and celebrate that day with, with all the fellows and Everyone who helped me during the advocacy, the advocate, the award was local uh, excellence in local advocacy, um, and Coeb and Essential Ed. They were very nice to select me for this award. Well, you absolutely absolutely deserve it. So all of the work you've been you. you've been doing is pretty incredible. And we just got through with Advocacy April, so. And we have new cohort of safe people that are joining us and now the family is growing and this Advocacy April has been a very wonderful month. It has been. I I think for cohort three, it's probably a bit of a whirlwind because it's, you know, you, that's the first, first big advocacy push after you get started in safe and it's just exciting and exhausting and confusing. Um, But we have some really incredible fellows that we are going to be interviewing throughout this year. Old cohorts and, of course, pulling from our new cohort three. Great, great. So as we were thinking about kind of what to highlight, um, Sarah and I were having a discussion about about rallies and about different ways to reach those who have influence in our state legislatures. And Sarah said, I would really like to hear more about what what Illinois, in particular our Illinois Adult and Continuing Educator Association, IASA, does in terms of rallies. And so we pulled in our special guest for today um, and we will interview him right after the break, but we'll hear from Jeff Campbell, um, who has a long history of working with rallies, both in person and virtual. So Sarah, shall we go for a quick break? And when we come back, we can welcome Jeff into the studio.
Welcome back to the Advocast. I am here with Sarah Hagigi and I'm Erin Vabornik, and we are about to welcome in our first guest of today, Jeff Campbell. He is from the Illinois Adult and Continuing Educators Association and also works at Lewis and Clark Community College. Um, and kind of, I guess we wouldn't call it downstate, would we, Jeff? It's somewhat mid. No, it's, it's, we're really outside the St. Louis area, so we're kind of metro east. Yeah, in Godfrey. Okay. Good. Hi, Jeff. I've heard a lot of good things about you. Nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you for this opportunity to join you today. Thank you for accepting our invitation. We would love to hear from you. Uh, how about if you just start by introducing yourself? Okay. I am the Director of Curriculum and Instruction here at Lewis and Clark Community College been in adult education for 10, 11 years, maybe. Um, I, I've worked both here at Lewis and Clark, but also at Southwest Illinois College in Belleville, Illinois. Um, so that's where I got started in the advocacy um, and working with IASA. So uh, it just kind of grew from there. And when I came over here, it kept it going. That's wonderful, wonderful. We, every time I hear the name of um, advocacy or rallies, your name comes up. Uh, could you please tell us what, um, what, what do you do for advocacy and what are those rallies that you always have? Okay. Well, it, it's nice that my name is attached to it, but I tell you what, it's, it's not anything that I can do alone. Um, when, I guess we, we should look at it pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and post-pandemic. <laughs> that, that might be the easiest way to look at it. So I got brought into the uh, legislative awareness rally and activities through uh, Dr. Val Harris, who is our director here. She's the um, associate dean for adult education. And when I, I joined, I think she was looking for somebody to, to help um, spread the wealth, if you want to call it that, you know. And uh, and so how I got involved was um, starting to connect with all of the adult education programs around the state uh, through IASA and then um, uh, setting up a, a time in, in which we would go to the state capitol. And the intent around that day is to get as many programs and participants on site as possible. And so we would usually choose sometime mid-March to late April, somewhere around there, because we wanted to make sure that the legislature was still in session. Uh, it wasn't on a day that they were gone and nobody was around. Um, but we wanted to do two things with it. Number one, get our students and our program participants on site, but number two, be heard. And so we would have a rally in the rotunda where we would chant rather loudly, adult ed works, you know, over and over. Um, and, and then we'd also have um, several dignitaries and guest speakers, et cetera, that I can go into a little bit, bit more in detail uh, a little later on. But I think the most important aspect of that day was to get programs and their participants to Springfield, to the state capitol, so that they can, number one, see the, the capitol and experience it, because a lot of our students have never had the opportunity to be there in person. And even if they've been in Springfield, they, they may not have had an opportunity to go into the state capitol. 
Um, and the other reason was to give them time to meet with their senators and representatives so that they could meet them, take pictures with them, talk about adult education funding, things, that, uh, you know, subjects and topics that were near and dear to their hearts. So uh, it, it was a full day uh, for programs to be able to do that. And then we had a pandemic <laughs> close us down. Yep. And, and we, we really kind of stepped back and said, what are we going to do? We've always been in person. How do we do this? And then lo and behold, Zoom comes out and everybody starts Zooming. Zoom and, saves lives. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the neat thing, you the two of you were talking about having met in um, Atlanta and it, it was weird because you're so used to seeing everybody just a, a virtual or, or you know a flat panel screen that when you get to see them in person it's like i think i know you <laughs> are you aaron yes you are that <laughs> but is anyway, so true when when the pandemic shut everything down um we we switched to a, a virtual option and um, didn't miss a, a beat. And, and, you know, that I can't take any credit whatsoever for that. It, it was so much easier to get people to participate um, because, number one, they were looking for something to do. <laughs> and number two, we, we had uh, video capability and it, it saved money. They didn't have to travel to Springfield. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to pay for transportation or meals or things like that. And so more people could participate. Um, and, and we held it basically the same way we did um, previously. Um, we invited a few legislators to participate. We invited additional um, adult education uh, program directors and state people. Um, and, and we still chanted adult ed works. I mean, we couldn't let that go. And so we were able to continue doing that through those two, three years. And um, now we're, we're just this past week, I, I was informed that we're able to go back next year. <laughs> so 2024, we are looking forward to being in person at the Capitol. Woohoo! How exciting. <laughs> it really wow. is. Yeah, we were all um, kind of geared up to go back this year, but unfortunately there's construction. <laughs> That's right. You know, um, we thought, all right, no more pandemic shutdown. And then we find out construction all the way around the Capitol. Where are we going to park? What are we going to do? So, yeah. Well, it's exciting so, that it's going to come back next year. Yeah. Yes. And now, Jeff, you mentioned the, that it it's not something that can be done alone. And I, I have witnessed the process of planning these rallies. Um, can you kind of dive into what you found? Like, what kind of, what are the major tasks that need to be completed and recommendations of kind of the size of the team yeah i'm happy to share that with you and you know what this is by no means the the best way to do it the only way to do it it's something that worked for us and um i hope that we keep this structure in place but um a few years back even before the pandemic um, i enlisted the help of the legislative committee through iasa and ask more people to get involved because in addition to my work on preparing the um, advocacy day, 
I still had my regular job to do and, and expectations there. So uh, by spreading it out a little bit, I was able to work through other people to get um, more uh, participation. And um, what we've been able to do since then um, during the, the pandemic, we our committee grew to about six people and each of those people had something to bring to the table and we were able to work through them um, to, to trickle down to other programs, other individuals, other entities, et cetera. And so um, what, what I like about what we've got in place right now is that uh, up until last year, I served as the, the co-chair. Um, I'm working on or have worked to transition that over. And so Erin, whether she uh, chooses to share it or not. She's one of the co-chairs right now, along with another um, adult educator in the state. Um, but by by getting that group together, um, you've. Our, let me give you an idea of the makeup of our group. Okay, I basically served as the person who stayed on track. Um, I, I I knew what we wanted to accomplish. I'd done it before. Knew what to expect. And when we got to the point where we were doing more talking and, and laughing and having a good time and less about staying on target. And Aaron knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I could say, okay, time out. Let's bring it back. Let, let's stay on track here. So I served in that capacity. And then we had a, a couple other committee members who are, um, well, in fact, I, I would say half of our committee, um, three of those folks are very good at um working with and developing relationships with legislators. They are active in the state. They know who the, the legislators are. They also know who those legislators are that are passionate about adult education. And so those three would work through um, their contacts to get folks involved um, because we always wanted to have somebody who was a, a, a state representative, a representative, a legislator, um, somebody who could talk to programs and, and basically have a dialogue going on. Um, during the pandemic, we basically asked for the world and were given that. And what I mean is that we got um, Representative Teresa Ma on, on our um, video uh, webinar. And, and we had an opportunity to ask her questions. And she talked to us about um, her advocacy efforts and, and a legislative process and things like that. And students got um, access to legislators that they never had before. So uh, that piece of our, our committee is vital. When you've got folks who know who those people are and have a relationship already with them, they can help to bring them in. Um, a couple of people on the committee are wonderful with technology. They can create um, a background for your Zoom broadcast. They can create emails um, that, that look like they're, they're from you know, Disney and, and all these major corporations. They are techno whizzes. And um, through them, we could get information out to all of our members in a flash. And so I think those those folks um, are very critical in that role as well. Um, and then um, I, I know she's just gone off the screen, but Aaron did something that that really uh, so 
I don't want to say surprised, um, thrilled me. She put together a standards-based, content-aligned instructional presentation on advocacy that we could send to anybody at any of our programs, and they could teach a lesson on civics and advocacy. And, and it was basically a script ready for them to go. Had we not had that coming together, um, we would have basically said to all of the, the participants, looking forward to seeing you. Well, here we gave them, the teachers, something that they could take into their classroom and help prepare their students for. So um, yeah, I think we stumbled onto success. I, I, I don't know that we set out to, to have a committee of six members and you do this and you do that kind of thing. Um, but but I, I think we um, learned a lot from it and benefited greatly from doing that. So. Uh, this is great. This is great. Thank you so much for sharing all this information. Mm -hmm. um, I'm amazed by all this information and the good work that you're doing. And as someone who has done advocacy work for a couple of years, I understand that it takes a village it does. and you need to be prepared um, and on task to get works done. Um, so you mentioned that advocacy, the rallies usually happen mid-March somewhere between mid-March to late April. Mm -hmm. How far in advance do you start um, planning for these um, rallies? You know, um, you almost need to start as soon as this year's finishes, start planning for next year. Working with the legislature though, it, it's kind of difficult because even though our committee may select a date for next year's rally, uh, we can't confirm it. Uh, nor request that date through the state capitol until the legislative session has been announced and they know what the dates are. So uh, for us, mid-November is when those dates are finally announced. And um, I, I would check the uh, government website on a regular basis so that I knew when they came out. And then as soon as that happened, I would submit the um, paperwork to the capitol requesting the site. I would then work with the rest of the committee and IASA to say, okay, um, legislature's in session these days. We generally want to shoot for this time period. Um, and as soon as we all agree on at least one date and potentially a backup date in case that date is not available, then get that paperwork submitted. Um, first part of November so that you know going into your uh, winter break that that aspect is taken care of so that when you come back you start preparing all of your programs and your participants to be a part of the process and and I can keep going with uh, additional um, steps in the process or if you've got other questions feel free to jump right in and sure. Ask. Sure. So I just want to pause here and ask a question for Erin. So you mentioned that Erin has this curriculum that um, uh, promotes civics and advocacy and teachers usually get to have those lessons and start teaching uh, to, to their classes. I just wanted to learn more about it. Um, now that we have Erin, I'm wondering if she can speak to that. Sure, I will. 
now you're now you're interviewing me. I see. I see. <laughs> yep. I I am here, but my computer is a bit cranky, so you get to look at me standing out in a field instead of seeing my my face today right now. Um, but yeah, so um, I come. I come with the perspective of a, of an instructor, particularly an instructor who is an adjunct, which means I'm part-time um, and hear from other adjuncts of like, well, we're working multiple places. We've got all these hoops to jump through. And the thought was anything to kind of make it easier for them to engage their students. We typically, at least for the virtual ones, would try to have it usually around 10 a.m. Central Time, which means that our morning classes, most places are still in session. So teachers could actually join um, the virtual rally from their classrooms and wow. their entire class could engage in it. Um, but as a teacher, I thought, well, we have so little time with our students, we really need to make sure that we're leveraging um, Kind of leveraging what we can and so um yeah making making sure that there are lesson plans that a teacher could just say all right i'm at whatever college or program i'm at that day here are some lessons i can do in advance to kind of introduce students to how is adult education funded why is advocacy important um and then for any rally where we had guest speakers, which is basically every rally, giving a bit of background information on who that person is, right? Who is Representative Ma from Chicago? Um, who is our state director? Like what role do they have? So that they understand why those particular people are, are speaking. And then we would encourage students to either ask questions of their teacher and the teachers could send them send those questions to our state association or students could be prepared to actually ask those questions in the zoom via chat or by unmuting just in hopes of getting further student engagement in that virtual setting because we understand that you know in person you might not be able to pack up your whole class and bring them down to springfield but in a virtual setting, we wanted to make sure there was really no excuse not to <laughs> not to show up. And we did have whole classes join. Don't know whether they used the lessons or not, but <laughs> but they were there. That's if I, amazing. If I may jump into that um, to to add on to what Aaron is talking about here, um, by having it ready to go, all we had to do was email it to our instructors and say go teach this. They didn't have to sit down and prepare a full three hour lesson. It was already on there. They just needed to familiarize themselves with it and go to town. Anytime you can make it easier for um, the, the participants to join in, uh, the, the more participation you're going to get. This is very brilliant because as someone who works with teachers full-time and part-time, a lot of the time I've seen the I've seen the interest that teachers really want to do something, but they just don't have the time. And in a, a lot of states, teachers don't get prep time. 
um, don't have that capacity to uh, prepare something for their students. Having those lessons prepared um, and being emailed to them, that's amazing. That's a lot of work. I can, um, I can imagine how much work and passion um, has gone to this uh, curriculum. Thank you so much for doing that, Erin. And as someone who works with teachers, I'm wondering if those lessons are something that other people could have access to. They absolutely could. And I'll, I'll say a lot of those pieces were, um, were pulled from the, the COAB student ambassador training. It was just contextualized for that, that one rally and those people in positions with influence who were in attendance. But I absolutely can, yeah, can share those. People just need to send me an email or find me on social media. Beautiful. I'll, I'll link those up. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. Great. So Jeff, now that I can ask you um, some questions now that my computer's done being cranky. So you <laughs> mentioned um, having to start planning almost as, as soon as <laughs> you, you get the information. Have you found that planning, is planning for a virtual conference less of a lift than planning for an in-person conference? Or not conference, say, sorry, rally. Sure. I would say yes and no. It's less from the standpoint of once you get to the point where you're doing the virtual rally and, and you're all online, half an hour, two hours, whatever, it's over. You don't have to travel back to home from the state capitol. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's it's less uh, of a burden on your mind, so to speak. But um, regardless, the, the preparation and the planning uh, is very similar and, and really no steps should be overlooked. Uh, I, I would think that uh, at least we wanted to plan the same way for in-person as we did virtual because it, it took um, the same amount of time, uh, preparation, getting people involved, et cetera. Um, I don't know if that fully answers your question there, but uh, feel free to. It does. I just, I'm, I think maybe some people think, oh, well, a virtual conference, that's going to be a lot easier to do than, than managing that, that in-person yeah. component, but um, there well, is a Virtually, lot. you've got some issues that you don't necessarily have uh, in person uh, with respect to making sure that everybody is there during that window um, and ready to go. If you've got a, a legislator lined up to speak, then you better be ready to have them hit at 10 minutes past the hour when you've told them that they're going to be there or you may lose them. Um, uh, everybody who um, you're, you're having uh, lead the, the chanting or, or whatever, they all need to be ready to go. So, you know, th those things are still there. It's just that when you're online or in a virtual format, it's condensed into a, a, a briefer uh, time period. And then uh, at the beginning, when we first started doing virtual rallies and we were finding we didn't know as much about Zoom and WebEx and Microsoft Teams, et cetera, um, 
invariably there was going to be some kind of issue with electronics or technology you know uh, much like we've experienced here Aaron's camera doesn't want to work very well um, so you know she's got just her picture up there and we had the same things happen and um, you, you just deal with it and move on yeah we've all kind of become pros at dealing with technology challenges right we're just kind of <laughs> we just learn to roll with it yeah. um, I think we've got a couple a couple more questions for you. I've got one one question about virtual uh, events and the fact that you know I, I think sometimes people get Zoom fatigue now, right? We're all so eager to get back in in person and see each other. Um, how did you kind of ensure that these rallies or these virtual events were still engaging? for folks who were there on Zoom, um, any challenges or things that you posed to attendees? Yeah, um, you know, that's a very good question. I, I, I think I would answer from the standpoint of making sure that everybody on your team is working together um, to, to do that, engaging everybody. Uh, one of the things that our instructors do in class is we know that a lot of people are going to be um, there but with their camera off so you can't assume that somebody is participating listening picking up you know what's happening so uh, a lot of times they'll say give me an r in the chat just to show that you're ready to go or or give me a smiley face or something like that um, and and that's a great way to uh, engage folks um, in a, a, a virtual format, we also wanted to try to um, make it brief enough that we didn't lose interest, but engaging enough that it made people want to participate. And so um, we would have videos from legislators. We would have um, other state uh, state level uh, employees, um, program leads, directors, etc. And, and usually if you get somebody who, who is pretty high ranking, you know, Representative Ma, um, and, and there's name recognition, folks want to pay attention to that one. And um, that, that always helps to uh, engage uh, our participants. When you give them a, a form in which they can actually speak to the, the legislator or, you know, somebody in charge, in command, um, that makes a difference as well. And you had a pretty innovative idea at at our most recent one in the fall, where you we did a um, chant contest uh, of having having programs or participants um, three participate and see who could lead the most kind of exciting chant of adult ed works, and there yeah. there was a vote at the end of who the champion. <laughs> Champ champion was, um, yeah. and that kind person just got a, a shout out. And, and <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, that one came about because we had done three consecutive video-based virtual rallies, and wanted to shake it up just a little bit in order to keep people engaged and wanting to participate. So, yeah, we we. Uh, we took, I don't want to call it an application, but we, we obtained three programs from all around the state and basically turned the video and the camera over to them to, to give their best chant. 
and then let everybody uh, choose who that was. Uh, and as I recall, that, that was a fun time, wasn't it? It definitely was. <laughs> you guys are very cool. I'm here thinking, oh my God, I want to hear all about those champions and listen to those songs and judge some of those songs. So that's very interesting. No wonder you have good participation. Yeah. Um, my question for you, Jeff, is that we hear all about successes um, that um, that what you do, all rallies, the meetings, the fun, champions, and all of these things. Um, I'm wondering if there, there are some challenges on the way that people who might want to um, do something similar to do, do these rallies need to be prepared for. Hmm challenges um i would say that address each challenge as an opportunity the pandemic's a good example we got shut down about two weeks before our rally was supposed to be in person without missing a beat we converted from in person to uh virtual and we're still able to get uh basically the same numbers of participants that we'd had in the past. Um, so, so don't give up and say, oh, can't do it now, we, we've lost our venue. Well, look for other ways in which you can do that. Um, you know, I, I think another thing is, uh, you, if you want um, a quality program, get the people who are the players involved. And that means the legislators, your, your state level, um, administrators, get them involved. And um, one of the things that I've, I've, I guess, been on my own personal crusade for a few years is to identify those legislators who are open to working with adult ed programs, those that support adult education, and working to make them friends, connecting with them on a year-round basis, not just two or three months prior to a rally to say, hey, will you come talk to us? We need to be in touch with them. If your state association has um, a, a company that does lobbying for you, work through them to, to get a foot in the door with those legislators. The more we can get um, name recognition and those legislators involved, the more legitimacy we add to our event. And I would expect uh, participation will increase as a result of that. Beautiful, thank you so much. What words of wisdom, like just even just viewing, viewing every challenge as an opportunity. And we thank you so much, Jeff, for for coming on today, um, for representing IASA, for representing your your college, and for sharing all of all of the information that you have um, about leading rallies, and hopefully this inspires some others, either at the the program level or their state level, to consider bringing rallies in as part of their their advocacy efforts and maybe even rethinking the way that they are they're doing doing rallies as well mm -hmm. so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we will be joined by madison um and 
adult education alumni. Hi, Madison. Welcome to the Advocast. Hi, Madison. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation and being our amazing guest on Advocast. Um, I would love to learn more about you. Just tell us about yourself. Um, I am a property manager right now. I am going to school for paralegal studies and I have two children named Kaylani and Landon. That's beautiful. Do you live in Illinois too? Yeah, I live in um, right for about 30 minutes away from um, Lewis and Clark campus. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. So Madison, tell us about how you got involved in adult education. So I dropped out of high school at a young age when I had a child at a young age. Um, I immediately enrolled into the GED program um, at, I think, the Edwardsville campus. They have like an off campus. And it was with uh, Mr. William Ellington. He was the very first uh, teacher for GED for me. And from there, I was on and off getting it, getting it going to school for it. Um, being a young adult and having children presented its own challenges. Um, when the pandemic was over, I ended up reaching out to Mr. Williams again, asking to re-enroll in the program. And he put me in touch with Sarah Hendricks, who told me about the adult liter literacy program. And um, from there, I went for about a month and I graduated with my GED Walked the stage. Wow. Um, I walked the stage in June, which was that gave me a little bit more of a what's the word motivation to get it done and over with. I was really upset that I wasn't going to get to walk the stage when I dropped out of high school and having that opportunity to do that um, with, with all my friends and family able to attend was a huge thing for me, as well as my children got to see it. So that was awesome as well. Um, and then I enrolled about two months later into my first college course um, for Miss Julie McAfoos. I think I hope I pronounced her last name right. And um, I passed her class and then I started um, Intro to Paralegal Studies in, I believe, January or February, one of the two. Wow. So, so you talked about how you were kind of on and off in the beginning because, you know, yeah kids, you know, <laughs> there's no accounting for <laughs> the challenges uh, right there. But it sounds like once you went back, you've just like been on the fast track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I have been very blessed to have the opportunities that I've had. Um, the support that was given to me through the adult education program has helped immensely. Um, because I've even cried in Miss Sarah Hendricks' office because I didn't think that I could get to where I'm at today. And it's just amazing. It's amazing the support that you get from there. It gives people hope that they can go further than what they are. Wow, this is so amazing. Um, you know what, Addison, I had interrupted education as well. And I'm telling you, when you're in your parents' house and you're studying, 
you think that's difficult, but it's more difficult when you're an adult and you have responsibilities and then you have to pay for bills and take care of other human beings, yeah. kids, parents, or uh, whoever that you're taking care of. It takes a village for you to be able to, um, to continue your education. And it requires a lot of perseverance and hard work to get to where you're at. Congratulations. And this is Thank very you. inspiring. And I can tell you that your children, when they saw you walk um, and get your degree, they were very proud of you. And that will stay with them. Um, and they will always remember that their mom did such a great job and they will continue your path. Um, you. They will never stay away from education. That's very inspiring. God, Thank is. you. Yeah, they um, they had the family literacy program. They had um, a little kid like area downstairs where they got to learn as well with a teacher and they love it. They begged me to go there every week. Unfortunately, I can't go every week, but we do visit there from time to time still, and they absolutely love going. And that's the that's such a beautiful thing too about about family literacy is that it you know it, it brings the whole family together around education. It offers you some support, I imagine, uh, yeah. not having to be concerned about about childcare, which. Yeah. As parents of young children, that is pretty much like a constant <laughs> concern. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about one thing, because you mentioned that you reached out to, um, was it Lewis and Clark Community College to enroll and to seek education to get your GED? How did you even hear about that, that option? Did it, was it something that somebody told you about? Um, were, did you try studying on your own first? I think that whenever I first left, I still had a teacher that was very close to me in high school. And she had kind of encouraged me to look into it. Um, if I remember correctly, I think her name was Miss Boz. And she was a teacher at the Edwardsville High School. And I remember, I think she gave me the phone number for it and said that there were other options as um, for pursuing my education, that just because I was leaving Edwardsville High School, that it wasn't like the end, if that makes sense. That does. And that that's incredible. And that it you kind of highlight right here the importance of of outreach and making sure that people know that we're here because if she hadn't known, yeah. she wouldn't have told you and you'd have to needed to find it your own way. And that's, that is yeah. incredible. It is incredible. And something that is very interesting to me is that you still remember the name of your teachers and you're mentioning them here. It means that teachers, impacted your life in some ways, they encouraged you in some ways. Now we have um, a lot of teachers listening to this podcast. As a student, if you want to talk to those teachers, what would you say um, about how they could support students, other students like you? They have a lot of students in their classes. How could they make them to be a success story just like you? Um, the students that you have that you see struggling, don't give up on them. 
I was definitely one of those students that struggled with maintaining a routine to go to, to go to class. I had to take so many different like enrollment tests because um, I wouldn't come to class for so long and then I would want to be re-enrolled again. And that's one thing that Mr. Williams didn't do. He never gave up on me. He would email me and ask, Hey, do you want to re-enroll out of nowhere? <laughs> didn't matter what was going on. He, he always checked in. And I think that's what pushed me to come back was that I felt like I had a teacher that cared enough, even whenever I didn't fully care about it. And now I do. And I love it because I want, I want to be someone that my kids can look up to and be proud of as well as be proud of myself. And it really does help to have that support from a teacher when you don't necessarily have it at home or for yourself. That's true. It's very hard to sometimes stay motivated and continue. And you need that outside support. That's very true. Thank you for sharing those um, stories. You. And thank you for mentioning. I'm, I'm sure those teachers will always um, listen to this podcast and they will appreciate it um, that you remember them and yeah. the work that they do. So what are your goals for future? Um, so right now I am finishing up my technology for a paralegal class and I hope to be able to get a job in a firm one day. Um, I'm a little nervous just because it's completely new career for me. Um, but right now I want to get my, I think it is my applied science, my applied, my associate's degree in applied science for paralegal studies is the um, biggest goal that I have right now. Awesome. I'm sure. Yeah, That's you let let us know when you when you get that certificate. When you are a paralegal, and we will make sure to shout it out all over LinkedIn. <laughs> we will have firms competing <laughs> for you. <laughs> exactly, and I'm thinking that Very how exciting. important it is for legislators to learn about these success stories to see how important adult education programs are, because there are people that are life happens, they can't finish their high school, but they have the potential to be a paralegal later on in life and contribute to, to their community. But they just need that community of support to get there. And Absolutely. adult education programs usually provide those supports. So it's very important to showcase those student success stories. Thank you so much, uh, Madison, for being the voice of adult yes. education and making sure that your story is heard and then making sure that you inspire all teachers and all students and legislators and everyone. I would love um, just to, to ask you both if you have any, any parting words. So our audience includes educators, um, administrators, and also students. So Jeff, I'll start with you um, as we, of tie up the podcast any parting words you'd like to leave for our guests or for our listeners yes thank you very much i certainly appreciate it it's been a pleasure being here with you today if i could leave one um uh, bit of wisdom or, or uh, experience is um don't do it yourself uh enlist the help of other people put the right people in the right places work 
through them. And it's like team together. Everyone achieves more. Wow. That is so true. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. How about you, Madison? Um, I really do appreciate the opportunity. It's been such an honor to be here. And um, if I had any parting words for those that are listening, it would be to never give up on pursuing a higher education. Um, you absolutely can do it. Um, no matter what is going on in life, it is never too late. Thank you both so much for joining us here on the Advocast. Um, and we will we'll link up anything that you want to share, any documents, any um, contact information in case our listeners want to get in touch with you. We'll add that in our show notes um, as well as on YouTube in the comment section as well. Thank you for being here. And Sarah, I know you can't see me, <laughs> but it's been Great to see you again, and I am so looking forward to Nashville in 2024, where we'll have to have another moment of we seeing each other. We definitely should, and I want to confirm that you are as kind and lovely as you appear on the screen, and I am very lucky to have you as a friend, more than just being a cohort co-host. Sarah, you know I cry easily, and I too am very, very honored to to consider you a friend as well. Thank so you. As, as we leave on this lovey dovey, at <laughs> <laughs> the Advocast is not just about advocacy; it's about love. So please join us for our next episode and stay tuned because you'll get to meet all of the wonderful safe fellows as we journey through the advocast this year Goodbye. have a lovely day and thank you for listening mm -hmm.